Today, what we're going to look at, we're going to do a couple of things today, uh, some new material, and then I'm going to take a talk I did about three years ago and intertwine it together because I think it's important for us to understand. So the first part is new, and it's, I, I want to talk about four areas of growth, principles around growing. We talk about leading. We talk about how do we get better at leading. I want you to know there are four principles around your own personal leadership, your own personal process of leading, and if you're helping others, which every one of us should be or are, whether it's your children, whether it's your coworkers, whether it's your employees, your vendors, whatever it is, four things you need to know. And this is something that I didn't come up with this, but one of them I've been saying for a long time, but it is really true. Let me go over them. Number one, people develop best while they are in the game. People develop best while they are in the game. This is so important for several groups of people. First of all, for young people, people go, well, I'm just waiting for the right job. I'm just waiting for the right thing. I go, what are you doing? Uh, well, you know, I'm just waiting. Well, you got to get in the game to start doing something. You got to get it. And then I see people who are my age who are saying, I'm getting out, I want to shift gears, I want to do something else. They get out of the game, they stop, and then they think they can restart again. Let me tell you, inertia is a very tough thing to change. If you are stopped, let me tell you, I'd rather have somebody going five miles an hour, and I'll get them going 60, than going zero to get them to go five miles an hour. You need to understand, it is tougher to go from stop to start, then from moving slowly, even if it's a little in the wrong direction, maybe it's not in your calling, maybe it's not in your gift set, we'll talk about that later, but at least you're moving so that you can move. So if you are saying, hey, I'm not in the right job, I'm just not in the right position, I think I need to change my career, don't just abandon ship, stop, hope for the best, and hope that you're going to start. Stay in the game because you can still grow wherever you're at. Number two, personal growth is born out of self-awareness. This is a big part of what Boca Lead is and all that we do, that you need to become aware of who you are. It is very easy for me to point my finger and tell you how to do your job. How I can be very aware about you, but many times we're not aware about ourselves. And we can deceive ourselves. It's very hard for you to deceive me, but it's very easy for me to deceive myself. Self-deceit is very difficult to get a hold of. And you go, boy, I understand. You know, all of us can see where you're going wrong except you because you're not aware. You need to know your weaknesses. You need to know your strengths. You need to know where things happen, what your trigger marks are, all those things. We're adults here. We're all adults. We need to know these things. And if you don't know, you need to get to know. And you need to have a little humility that we talked about a couple months ago to ask others to help you through the process of self-awareness. If you just have no clue, and all of us have seen people that are totally unaware of themselves, right? And it's just, it's, it's a train wreck happening. And they don't even know they're a train wreck. Have you ever had that? Have you ever seen that? You've got people in your own companies this way. Maybe you are one of them, but you don't even know it. So the people next to you, the ones who aren't laughing or the ones next to you can't laugh because you're there. And Okay. 
There you go. I wanted everybody to laugh so that we're all okay. Number three, this, is, this one's really important. It's difficult to grow without trusted relationships. So this is not in your notes, so let me just add this to your notes. How do you develop a trusting relationship in the workplace? There's really three basic ways. Let me give them to you. Just write them on the side somewhere. Three words, character, competence, vision. Character, competence, vision. Let's take them backwards. Vision. When I have vision for something and I'm the boss and you go, hey, I love that, I'm building a trusting relationship. You like where we're heading. You like the company. You like what it stands for. You like the direction. Or maybe you're the boss and you're, you're doing that and you're getting your teams. There's a vision that's behind it. That's easy. Because we know about vision, everybody teaches about vision and mission and goal setting, we get all that, and either you like where it's heading or you don't like where it's heading. If you like where it's heading, it's a a trusting relationship. That's easy. Number two is competence, working backwards again, competence. That is, I trust you because you do a good job. There is a sense that we are here to work. You have been hired to do a job. You know, we... I I talk to people all the time, and they want to argue about their job, and I'm not here at our church necessarily. We got rid of all those people, but (laughs) why do we do this? Why do we do that? I go, you weren't hired to tell me why. You're hired to do the what, you know, and so they're no longer here, but, you know, just people, why? You know, they're just always talking. There is a competence to this thing called work. You need to do a good job. And when you do a good job, the people around you trust you because they trust the vision, they trust the job you're doing. But here's the third one, and this is the one we leave out, is the character. The character, the integrity. Now, here's a difficult thing, and I don't know the answer to this because everybody says it different. If you study people about character, the question is, can you teach people character in business? That is the $64,000 question. Most people say the answer is no, that you cannot teach character in business. You can teach your kids character. You can teach your friends and have be with the people. But in, if someone is in your business and they just are a bad apple, they could be smart, they could agree with the vision, but they're just a bad apple you, you got to make a decision. Can you change them? And I know a lot of people go, well, we're going to change her. We're going to change him. And you've got to decide if that's what you're going to do. Now, I'm in the, the life-changing business. I'm a pastor. That's my job. This is what I do for a living is to help people change their lives. But there's, that's a spiritual internal side. We're talking today about business. And if people are just trying to change on the outside, it just doesn't happen most of the time. And you got to realize it. And here's The reason, if you have somebody that you trust because you like their vision, you trust them because they're doing a good job, and then they have bad character, the trust goes out the door. The other two do not survive if the character is bad. You've got to find people with good character. And here's why. And let me give you these three thoughts. These are in your notes, and I've said these probably 30 different times. Those of you who are regulars, you get this. But this is so important There are three types of corporate cultures when it comes to character, when it comes to building trust, and you work in one of these. And the first one is the best, generative. 
Generative means to produce, to grow, generations. A generator produces electricity, producing. There's mutual respect, there's purpose, there's growing, there's creativity, and there's conflict, but you deal with the conflict. You see, I can have, I can trust you and still not agree with you. You know, we can argue, and we, we did a whole session on how to argue well in business, so I won't talk about that, but you need to deal with conflict well. Number two, the other, another type, and we're going to look at this one in a little bit later, is habitual. Things get done. There's competence. There's a vision behind the competence, but there's really not a lot of character. They're doing the job, but not a lot of character. It's rep repetitive. There's no purpose. It's draining. Why do we do what we do? And this type of culture avoids conflict. I mean, why deal with conflict? I don't like her anyway. I'm just going to... I'll stay over here, they stay over there. What's interesting is, just an aside, there's a whole new way of doing work, and that is staying at home, all this stuff, right? So I do a lot of research on this because I'm very interested in is this going to survive not coming back to the office? How many of you are back at the office? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are not back at the office? Raise your hand. Okay, a few. Um, well, what they're saying is when you come back to the office, they're, they're going to change things. A lot of corporations are changing it, and they're taking out the walls, just having common areas, not giving you a dedicated office. When you're there, you have a desk and all this stuff, and it's great. But what they're saying is, is that people still, because, well, stop. What they're saying is there'll be better communication with no walls because we'll have no walls, kind of open architecture. And then they're saying, though, the real issue is there will always be walls. Because whether they're physical walls around your office, the glass walls or the masonry walls, or there's the fourth wall that they talk about, which is your eyes. Your eyes are a wall. If I don't want to talk to this group, I can tell them with my eyes that I don't want to talk to them, and I can be in the desk right next to them. And so there's this habitual setting that can come in, even though you have open architecture where you're just sitting there, and I'm not even communicating, and I don't like you guys because what you do. And so I'm sitting right next to you, but I have created a wall with my eyes, with my lack of communication, and we need to be careful because that is a habitual setting. I may be doing my job well, I'm competent, but it is a setting that you don't want to live in for a long time. And then the last setting, which is the worst, is the toxic. That's cutthroat, low morale, no appreciation, everybody is bad, no growth, and it's destructive conflict. So there's good conflict, there's avoiding conflict. I can avoid conflict by ignoring you. And then there's destructive conflict, which is the sarcasm, the just saying bad things. Some, you know, I, I, I don't use four-letter words, but a lot of, all, you know, you're just cursing at each other, and there's just raising of voices and all the rest, and that's the toxic. Okay, let's go back. So we have the three areas I've mentioned. The fourth, back to growth. Back to growth. So let me just give them back to you. The first area was stay in the game. Second area is self-confidence. Third area is trusted relationship. And this fourth area if you thought the third one was important, this is really the one to asterisk and put a star by. People grow best when they own their own growth. Here's the thing. I have tried to grow people. I have tried to get people to do more. I've tried to say, you're the best in the world. You need to do this. But if they don't own their own growth, they are not going to grow. 
You can help them. You can feed them. You can water them. You can do all these great things. But ultimately, adults have to own their own growth. So that's third party. Let me say this. You have to own your own growth. You have to go, I need to grow in this area. If you're self-aware and you do it, you need to own it yourself. And if you don't, you've wasted you're wasting everybody's time. So how do we do this? So let's walk through this grid. This is a grid I've done a couple of other times, and I want to do it today because it's worth us remembering it. Very simply, it's a Johari window, so it's got four quadrants. The y-axis is passion. The x-axis is progress. So passion the higher you up are up here, you love your job, you're great, you're the cheerleader, you're the one that everybody wants to go to lunch with, you're having coffee with everybody, you're Zooming, every, you love Zoom, you love these things. It's like, wow, you know. Zoom for me is like a jelly bean jar. Every time I Zoom, one bean comes out. And, it's, and I'm down to just a couple of beans left. It's like, I got to do something to get the beans filled up. It just, Zoom just kind of wears me out after a while. But you love it. You're the cheerleader here. Now, the people on this axis, the further out you go, these are the people that love growth. They love work. They're the work ethic people. They love numbers. They love all this kind of stuff. It's really good. They believe in the progress. So you've got these people here, the hard workers. You've got the cheerleaders here. And then you have all of us somewhere in the middle of this. So can we look at it? So this first one is low. This is the drifters. Low passion, low progress. They're kind of here. These are the ones who are not self-aware. These are the ones who have neither, they're neither passion or progress. They're distracted. Let me give you some words around them. First of all, as I said, they're unaware, they're distracted. They're overwhelmed, they're deceived. Now, there's two ways to be um, this way, to be drifting. One is physically drifting in your job, and that's that. You can also be just kind of mentally drifting. You can be doing your job well and still drifting. So doing your work, and you can still be drifting. You may be underutilizing yourself. You may come into your office or wherever you go. I keep saying you walk into your office. However you start your day and leave half of your life behind you. Some people do that and you go, is this, you may be drifting. If you're leaving half of your life at the door, the virtual door, let me give you some other th things about a drifter. There are heavy consequences to drifting. There's confusion that happens when you drift. Drifting is very expensive. I'm going to do this. No, I think I'll do that. Then you've got to get more education. No, I'm going to do that. Then you've got to get a new job and you've all this. It's a very expensive thing to drift. Lost opportunity, it's an amazing thing. People who drift become self-aware and stop drifting, realize that they've had a year, two, three, four, some five years where they've been drifting, and they go, look at all the opportunity I've lost. There is opportunity lost. And when opportunity is lost, two other things happen. One is regret. You regret this. And so a lot of the work I do is get people out of regret. And then the last one is pain. There is pain in drifting. It, is, it could be painful for your family. It can be painful for you. It's certainly painful for your coworkers. So drifting is at the bottom. Let's look at the next one. 
The next one is the person who is off the charts in passion. So we use the word lift. They just always lift up. You love being with them. Their passion without progress, no focus. Their byword, if this one is distracted, this would be enthusiasm. Now, there's a good thing about this person, a bad thing about this person. The good thing is they're too friendly to fire, but they're not good enough to keep because they're not working. Have you ever had any of these kind of people? You, go, you start talking to your coworkers or your, your team, and you go, I think we need to get rid of so-and-so. And they go, how can you get rid of so-and-so? I love going to lunch with them. I love that they are the life of uh, the organization. And you go, these are people with passion. And there's nothing wrong with passion. I love passion, but passion has to be attached to something in the workplace. Excitement, enthusiasm, the cheerleader of the group, but no focus. You get the person. You get, I, I've got several in my mind. I love them to death. But you just want to strangle them sometimes. <laughs> Next, not really. Okay. You know, you used to be able to say those things and no one would get mad. Now we got all these things. Oh, you really meant that? No, I didn't. Shifting. So this is the person that progresses without passion. These are the hard workers. Now, this kind of person is too good to let go because they're such a hard worker, but they don't get the vision. They're nasty. They, you know, they're, they're the ones who put up the fourth wall, and you go, they're really not a team player, but they're too good at what they do to let go. And, you know, so you have the same problem here, just the opposite as you do up here. They're hardworking, but they can be apathetic. They're tired of their job. It's drudgery, but they do a great job with it. The further off, they're doing an incredible job there. And then the last one. The last one I use the word gift. They have passion and progress, and they're in their sweet spot. Sweet spot. So that's not a technical word, but what is sweet spot? Let me give you a definition. It's there in your notes. Sweet spot is when your talents, abilities, and gifts align and match with your passion. And let me just say, if you are that person in your sweet spot, there is nothing you can't do. It is, you're self-aware, you know how you need to get more education. It's just an incredible thing to be aligned in your sweet spot in that area. So now let's look at this, because our time is fleeting away. The question I have for you, and, and I want you to be honest, because trust, right? Trust the relationships, be honest. Where do you fit on this? Where are you on this? I know nobody is down here. You wouldn't be here if you were down here unless you were dragged here. You're not totally a drifting person, but you might be up here. You might be here. You might be here. You know, where are you? The goal is to get you into the center of this somewhere. We can't always be in the way up here. That's not the goal because technology's changed. You're learning. Things are happening. There are days that you are more excited about your work. There are days where it's a little drudgery about your work. I get that. But right now, put a dot, a circle, a star, whatever you want, where you think you are on this grid. Let me give you three thoughts about it then, going back to how we purpose in our growth. How do we, what are those four things of growing? Where are you heading? What is your goal in heading? 
And the question becomes, are you aware of your current location on that? You might go, I don't really know where I'm at. Then there's a self-awareness that needs to come to you. You need to take some time. And a part of self-awareness may be asking your spouse, may be asking your children, may be asking your coworkers, may be asking your direct boss, some of others, and really begin to understand where are you because you need to grow. Here's the important thing to understand is that where we are today is not where we were 15 months ago. None of us are the same today as we were March 15 months ago. So to say, well, I'm just doing the same thing I did in the past is just a false statement. That's a totally unself-aware statement. You are not doing it. You need to move forward. So become aware. The second is this. Decide where you want to go. And let me encourage you, you who are cheerleaders, and I tend towards the cheerleading side a little bit sometimes, those of you who are cheerleaders, if you grabbed a hold of what really needed to be done, you guys and ladies are unstoppable because cheerleaders take people with them. That's the whole definition of a cheerleader, right? You cheer people towards something. Those of you who tend to be in just progress, I just do what I'm told, I'm good at it, I do it. If you could get some emotion in your life and move people with you, you're doing a good job. You just need to take some people with you. If you could get some, you see, I'm not saying don't be a cheerleader, don't be the other. Whatever you are, grab hold of some of the other and take it because you're a leader. This is about leading. You need to take people with you, whether they're your clients or your vendors, or whomever it may be, a great opportunity. But you need to decide where you want to go because, you know, you could just be happy staying where you are. If you're happy staying where you are, I think you are drifting. I think you are. And I've had incredible conversations with people who are very busy and very successful and making good money who are still drifting. So drifting is a multi level kind of situation. Decide. And then the third is this. Start working toward the destination. Ultimately, you got to set some goals. you got to set some parameters. you got to set some vision behind it. All of that is important, and you need to know what you need to do. I can't tell you what to do. I mean, if we sat down for an hour or two, I could help you. But you need to own this. Why? And I want to close with this. In the Middle Ages, if you're familiar with, especially in the European context, in the North African and and in the Middle East context, um, cities built walls. Remember that? Walled cities. There's still some great walled cities in the world, Dubrovnik and some of the others. There's some incredible walled cities that still exist from the Middle and Early Middle Ages. So they built the walls. Why? To protect from the outsiders, correct? We all get that. And there was always certain buildings inside the walled city or the fort or the castle, depending on the size. And there was a main building that was unattached to the walls in the middle of the city or the castle. So in the Tower of London, if you're familiar with one of the most walled castles in England, it was called the White Tower. The White Tower had two purposes for it. Purpose number one was to put all the provisions in it. 
to protect the provisions. That's the food, the armaments, the blankets, all the rest, because if the walls were breached, they needed a place where everything was protected. That was number one. Number two was they needed a place for the people in the city or in the castle if the walls were breached to come so there was a place to go. So it was a place to store and it was a place for people to go. And do you know what the place was called? It was called the keep, K-E-E-P, the keep. Part of it was for the upkeep, all the provisions. The other part was for safekeeping of the people. And the reality is, even in England, in the Tower of London, in the White Tower, was where the crown jewels were kept. Now, they moved them across the little path there to another building so people could see them, but originally, they were in the White Tower as well. Everything was kept that was of importance in the keep. And the person in charge of the keep was simply called the keeper. You are the keeper of your growth. I'm not the keeper of your growth. Your boss is not the keeper. Your investors are not the keeper. Your spouse is not the keeper. You are the keeper. God has given you a set of gifts, all the provisions. God has given you a place of safety to understand that you have certain giftedness that I don't have or that person doesn't have. You have it. It's an amazing thing. But ultimately, that little place in your life is either going to succeed or not based on the keeper. Are you putting provisions in there? Is it a place of safety in there? Is there a place of growth for you in your personal life, not out in the city, not out in the fort, not out doing all the things that everybody did, but a place inside? And I would encourage you to know that you need to be the keeper of it. And if you do, it'll be incredible things that will happen. And I encourage you to do that. Not drift, not shift, not lift, but in your giftedness, put all that in the keep, and then you can use it for the benefit of your family, of your company, of your clients, and all those and especially since we're here at Boca Lead, of your community in the giving out of that. Can we do that? Good. Have a great month. God bless you all.